Hotel Podcast, a global conversation hosted by Alex Rezvan Vienna. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Retail Podcast. Today I'm interviewing someone who I ad- admire greatly and have a, a heck of a lot of respect for because I definitely want to share Louise's, um, who, who you'll meet in a minute, her perspective on retail and, and the coaching that I've received or, or some of the words of guidance on why I wanted to come and work uh, for Louise in the UK. I just I found it, it was quite personal, quite passionate and quite genuine. And I think right now we need those uh, skills in the leaders that we have within the retail business. So without any further ado, Louise, hello and welcome. Hello, and thank you for the lovely introduction. So listen, Louise, thank you so much for coming and appearing on on the podcast. This is going to be a bit of a nuanced podcast because I know a lot of people who listen to this and who work for you, well, these are the types of questions they would want to ask you if given a chance, because I appreciate you have a management team and then you have uh, a whole wide cross sector of people that you work with and I know you do a lot of coaching anyway so what what I'd love to do because you maybe for the people that don't know you if you could just give a a brief overview of you know what you do at Microsoft and and who you are yeah of course and this is probably one for my parents because they're always asking what do I do (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I look after retail consumer goods travel transport and hospitality Uh, for Microsoft in the UK and and what that means is I actually work in our enterprise commercial part of the business um, looking after the people that serve our enterprise customers in those industries. I've been actually at Microsoft years now so done a number of different roles. Um, I think this obviously has to be my funnest role um, (laughs) and certainly you know pretty challenging as well this year but look that's what keeps me excited and out of bed every morning. Yeah, well, the two questions that come up from that. Did, did when you left, was it did was Microsoft a place that you wanted to end up, or was it one of those happy accidents or serendipitous accidents? I think it was one of those accidents. Actually, um, do you know what? When I left university, I remember thinking I just want to work in a creative industry, and so yeah. I moved to London, and I actually interviewed with a lot of um, design companies. And my first right. position was a partner's PA um, oh, wow. a design company um, and it's in London and I loved it because I worked with lots of different creative people. And yeah. so I think I thought that was my trajectory. But I think what I found out was I enjoyed the creativity side and problem solving. And yeah. through the various discussions, the people I met along the way and actually that business actually that I started and actually invested in me doing uh, the Chartered Institute of Marketing uh, degree. Yeah. Through that, I met a lot of different people and obviously got that under my belt and then um, found myself at Microsoft. Um, oh, and it wow. was a okay. pleasant accident 17 years ago. Fantastic. Never looked back since. You yeah. mentioned also that, in, oh, and obviously we're, we're, it's November, so we're still in lockdown in the UK. It must have been, and you're fairly newish in into this role. I think probably four months before you you joined. Is it been twelve months now? You've it been has in this role twelve. Literally months? just over twelve months. Yeah. 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 So how? I mean, how has forgetting the last twelve months? Because I think you've probably lived seven lives in the last nine months. <laughs> how has the last nine months been for you? The last nine months. Yeah. Um, specifically, COVID. 
Okay. Okay. Um, it doesn't. You know what? I know it should seem that long, but it doesn't feel that long actually, because I feel, I think we've learned so much in the last nine months. I keep thinking it's about yeah. three. Um, I think for me, um, I think it's been challenging to see um, just how tough it is actually on the industry that we serve. In all honesty. Um, but the good thing is I've never spent so much time with customers as well at the same time, because I think technology has played quite a large role in actually kind of helping sort of businesses continue to function and serve obviously their customers and their consumers. Um, so I think I probably never felt as useful, which is always good, isn't it? I think in this yeah. industry, but I think, um, you know, my heart's actually really you know, genuinely gone out to the customers that we work with because it's it's very challenging people are having to dig deep in terms of really thinking business models, new routes to market, really thinking about, you know, who their consumer is and, and how they're managing expectations. And, and ultimately, um, and I think probably more, more importantly, how they're looking after their people um, within their yeah. business and how they continue to engage. So I think it's been really challenging. Um, I think we've all got a lot of learnings from it. And as a result, I think we'll be stronger and better. But we're still going through, obviously, a really difficult time. But personally, I felt I've learned a huge amount, but obviously would never wish this on anybody ever again. Understood. You meant you must spend a lot of time with CEOs and, and the C-suite within the retail world. Are there any shared problems that you've seen? Are there any sort of commonalities in the challenges that people have had over the last sort of 12 months? Yeah, I mean, I think in, you know, in retail in particular, I mean, even prior to the nine months, I think we were in a challenging spot as an industry as a whole. And obviously I include us in that um, yeah. because you know, we, we knew, we all knew we had to transform. I think the C-suite all, you know, knows that they need to transform in terms of, you know, differentiation of their business, the disruption they're having to manage as part of, you know, the new entrance into the market. Um, and also, you know, generally the consumer behavior um, that kind of continues to evolve. Um, um, just, just, just as a general rule of thumb. So I think that's probably the, if I think about, what I've been discussing at C-Suite is really around, you know, how do you manage uh, and interpret that type of disruption in the market? So thinking about consumer you know, personalization, the level of relevance, um, the products and solutions you bring to market. But actually, even if I do that, is it going to be good enough yeah. to get me to the next stage? And so, yeah. therefore, I think the the majority of the time that I spend um, with, with customers and actually kind of even pre-COVID was... Um, really thinking about new business models and routes to market. But what the last nine months has done is to sort of accelerate that in terms of those efforts. So Understood. You, you, you mentioned morale. And what, one of the things that I do love working for Microsoft, but more specifically within your team, is the fact that the empathy really comes through. And the empathy that you have in terms of the tough time that people are going through right now is there any sort of things you can share in terms of what the way that you you manage in terms of keeping people's morale up during this period and and possibly going forward because as i said we are still in lockdown here and morale is a, is a massive thing across the um the industry as well as for us any any things that you can share with us yeah um i mean i think i'm just very aware that um times like these affect everybody in very different ways, right? And it could be depending on what we're going through currently, um, outlook on life, personality type, um, 
just just everything. There are so many different factors, which means that every individual will have a different experience and experience it differently and interpret things differently. So what I'm very aware of is how do you ensure that you keep everybody motivated without that kind of, you know, dreaded one size fits all. So I think yeah. now is actually, you know, you're never actually going to achieve true happiness across your entire organization all at the same time because I think like I said everybody evolves and moves and adapts you know in different ways but what I think yeah. is really important what I personally do is I take the time to literally lean in speak to people listen because um, yeah. often often it's just about listening and hearing what people are saying obviously two very different things and then really thinking about how you're responding and sometimes so so what I would say actually is at a, at a group level, um, I think we've got something called the Culture Club, actually, which is means that we can take lots of different ideas from people um, across you know, different kind of product groups, et cetera, to really come up with some different ideas on how to engage, you know, have a sense of fun, um, thinking about rather than just, you know, meeting after meeting after meeting, you know, how can you do sessions like this, which is like podcasts, how can you learn better? You don't always have to be in front of your screen. I think yeah. the other day, I think, um, well, actually, you and I were on the meeting where we organised more of a podcast session and it was sort of grab your coat, you know, grab your flask and then headphones and then head off out for a walk. And that's really important. Yeah. Um, and not everybody's going to be able to do that. And actually that day, I don't know if you remember, but it absolutely chucked it down. It was raining. And yeah. quite fact <laughs> that into the plan. So I think in the morning yeah. I turned it into, you know, sit down with your kids unload the dishwasher, put a couple of washes in, whatever you yeah. know you need to do to make your life that bit easier. Um, but yeah. then just tune in and listen and absorb. And yeah. and so I think the, the theory behind that is, you know, at a group level, think about, you know, how you can relate, have some downtime. Everybody knows what they need to do. So how are you still building yeah. that team and that kind of community spirit and everybody's kind of leaning in and to help each other? I think also it's really thinking about different ways, different things that people respond to. Not everyone will want to go off for a walk. Some people yeah. just want time back with the family. Not everyone's yeah. going to want to do that quiz. Someone's going to just want to have a nice little hamper and have a, yeah. you know, cream tea all to themselves. A bit plain outside, sorry. Okay. Cream tea all to themselves. I often wonder right? where Jake. Where do you think? <laughs> and spend Do you think like anywhere near the <laughs> No. No, um, very near Bryce Norton, actually, which has probably come a little bit more busy uh, since lockdown. Um, so so it, it's that. But also, I think what's really important, because we often try to think things at a group level, is just speaking to people individually as well. And, and I would say, you know, spend and make the time, uh, no matter how small, even if it's just for five minutes, it's on instant messages on a call or whatever. And I think that also helps because... You know, I know for, for me, I just want somebody to, to, to hear and listen what I'm saying and and helping and solving things. And actually, there is one more last point, if, if you don't mind, Ali. So I think it's the morale and what we're doing. But at the same time, we don't always have to focus on morale necessarily. We actually also have to focus on how we can change and adapt and support people through making business more simple. So how are you as a leader helping your people to unblock you know certain barriers to success and actually sometimes that actually really boosts morale as well but sometimes you know in, in this type of environment yeah, always feel that you're together. Yeah. yeah is there is there anything that comes to your mind that like you're the most proud of over the last sort of 
reflecting over the last year? Are there any sort of areas that you're proud of? Um, yeah, it I mean, can be work in progress, just to give you an out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I, 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 look, I'm personally really, I mean, I'm proud of my team day in, day out. And, and I think the amount of time that they're spending with customers, just trying to help lean in, listen and learn is what I'm most proud of. Okay, so that's definitely number one. And and then I think secondly, I'm I'm proud of myself because hopefully I do the same as well. Because and, and actually yeah. I love it. I really enjoy it. I get a huge amount from it. And that's definitely the best part of my day. Um, so you know, really proud of that. I think um I am proud actually of Microsoft in terms of how Microsoft supports the the people, their people, yeah. leaders, you know, managers, employees, etc. Everybody, you know, feeling connected and put a huge amount of importance behind that. Um, when you're working in a hybrid environment, um, it's still, you know, it's still different how we've been working. Even if we do still a lot of our calls online and mobile, we're very used to this. Um, it still is a different setting. It's a different environment because you just simply can't do certain things. And, and I think Microsoft really rallied around to really think about culture and, and, and not being a casualty of this. Um, yeah. How do you collaborate better? really focus on men mental well-being, um, focusing on learning and development, um, and really focusing on also unblocking things again um, to, to support our customers in this in this challenging time. So I think I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I'd like to think I've been a pretty good mum and, and wife, um, but that's also, you know, because that's what does actually get me out of bed every morning. So strive to continue to be a better one every day. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. It, uh, look, as, as I said up front, uh, what, the one thing I know that I'll get from you is honesty, right? There, there, there are, and and that's the most important. Well, that's one of the uh, one of the most important characteristics, I think. That, um, and it's and it's interesting in terms of honesty and empathy. Have you always been empathetic? Is that something that you feel like that's one of your superpowers? I'd like to think it is, but I mean, I think I was, I'm very lucky that I was actually, I had a really nice upbringing, right? Very family right. orientated. Um, and I, and actually my husband says it actually all the time that kindness is, yeah. you know, the superpower that, you know, everybody should kind of really dig deep and, and, and use, especially this at this time, but actually kindness is just all encompassing and actually, he always starts his, um, I think, his year groups off as um, there are three things you need to think about at the start of the year. And yeah. um, he says, be kind, be kind, be kind. And, and maybe that's, you know, why we're together, okay? Because, yeah. you know, but I think kindness is something that's just, I think I've been very lucky to grow grow up in. And so, yes, yeah. I would hope that empathy has just been something that's been part of my uh, DNA. DNA. I, I don't, sure. you know, I deeply care about people, how people, you know, obviously how what people think as well at the same time. Um, you know, I yeah. always expect to be treated as I expect others, uh, sorry, as I, you know, connect with others. Um, yeah. I enjoy listening and really understanding people and really thinking about if I'm having a discussion, whether it's, you know, at home, out or at work, that yeah. uh, the discussion we're having is very two-sided um so that they get what they want you know i get what i want for example um but yeah empathy i think is really important it's very important i think just generally in life and that's i think yeah. how i get the most enjoyment out of life you know because i feel good 
kind of every day. I mean, it's a great environment sure. to be in. But I think from a work perspective, I think it's really important as well, um, just simply because we all have very challenging jobs and working environments, and it's important to show empathy, especially at this time. Yeah. Understood. If that well, answers your question. <laughs> no, it does. It does. I, there's three other areas. I just in terms of, and you can choose what order that you you um, you answer them in. But mm -hmm. if, the, and they're all sort of related to them in terms of words of wisdom. So if I'm a new candidate and I want to come and work for you, what do you look for? Is one question. If I'm in role and I want to progress up, what would your words of wisdom be? And if I'm just starting out in my career and I don't really have a clue, what would you have any sort of, and specifically, let, let's just be clear on this, specifically lending to uh, female, early in career, female managers and uh, people who potentially may want to come and work for you because that, that bit's irrelevant of gender, right? And I can imagine anyone to come and work for the retail team in the UK. But in terms of, you know, having that female lens to it for early in career and female managers, what, what you, so whatever order you would like to answer those questions in. Okay. Um, so I'll take the third verse, which I think is early in career. Is that right? And then yeah. coming to work. So um, I always think about this as sort of, you know, talking to my younger self yeah. <laughs> and advice Fantastic. I would give myself. So I think the first thing is, you know, the reality is you, you first need to convince yourself that you can do a job before you... Yeah convince your employer and and I hope these these suggestions and words of wisdom don't sound basic but actually it's true I mean there were yeah. so many uh, positions which I realized I thought I, I don't think I quite convinced myself that I could do the job so how was I going to physically get that role so I think I think that's really important when you think about um convincing others around you um and 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 I would say in order to understand you know how to how you do a job or whether or not you're right for the job, I think it's really important to think about um, getting feedback, right? So getting feedback yep. um, right from sort of day dot is really important. So somebody you trust, somebody that you're yeah. working with, could be in a meeting environment, as well as mentoring, whatever, friends, colleagues, get feedback. What, where do you see my strengths? Where could I potentially develop? Any advice you'd give? And then, and then ask yourself those questions at the same time. Yeah. And then see how they marry up. Because interestingly, what I've, I've found throughout my career is that how I'm perceived is never quite as I think I come across. And I think you need sure. to kind of continue to check yourself. So I think that's that's number one for me. Um, yeah. I think um, I think for my younger self, probably the second thing, because otherwise I'll, I'll be ages on each of these three hours, I would say give yourself a break, like mind break, because... I think, and I was talking to somebody actually uh, this morning about this. Um, it's it, you, we've got time. You've got time, right? So you're you're young, you're learning, you're gathering experience. This is a time to really enjoy your job, really understand about who you are, what you do, what you bring, get that feedback, and and just give yourself a break that you know you don't have to sort of continue to think I've got to get this job by this time, or you know giving yourself a hard time around milestones because actually, do you know what? you'll get that job when it when it kind of comes to you. And I guess that's why I'd say when I, to my younger self, give yourself a break because it probably yeah. stressed me out at the time. And I don't think like that now. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's quite important if you think about that. And then I guess just very quickly, last one, I think, so early in career coming um, again to this role, if you think about those two things, you know, it's really important that, you know, you have that sense of, of perspective and self-awareness because I'm always really impressed by someone, doesn't matter what age they are and what background yeah, yeah. and jobs they've done or no jobs, is when somebody has that self-awareness and perspective and a sense of direction. And you don't always have to know exactly where you're going, but that's impressive and, and that already shows transferable skills. So that's what I would say in terms of early in career. And, and hopefully you don't think I'm too out of touch. That's, that's definitely what I've said to my younger self. Um, so the next one was if you're- For, man for, man for managers man that wanting to sort of, you know, move up or just get some guidance on where they are. I think managers, it's, um, so, so I think my advice to managers would be, again, you need to, you really need to start thinking about your second, you know, the next role and the role after that. And and actually, I know a lot of people manage sort of inwardly grown when people say that, but it's important because again, it comes down to perspective, direction, and where is it you're trying to go? Because actually what happens obviously as management is you get, you know, fewer and fewer jobs as you go further yeah. up. And so therefore you have to, whether you like it or not, be more deliberate about what you're trying to do and where you're going. And again, if you think about hiring manager, they really need to understand that this is absolutely the role that you want because it's yeah. going to take you, well, it's going to get you from where you want to get to. Plus also this is the advancement, you know, longer term. And that's leadership. That's yeah. really managing your business. So it's all thinking differently around being a, a lot more deliberate with that career move because the hiring manager is going to have to think, you know, one, really important that person really, really wants that role. And two, that yeah. it's in that kind of grand plan. That obviously shows leadership and ambition. Um, and actually, I'll probably just leave it there as one and two in that respect. So so I would say hopefully that's given some guidance. Um I would also say, I think just the second thing is around, um, I think sometimes managers get a little bit demoralised that certain roles are always earmarked or there's yeah. a slate plan. And, and there are always slate plans. So the first thing to do is make sure you are on the right slate plan and you're on the slate plan in line with your career. And that slate plan means working at that slate plan. Yeah. Have to work on it in terms of your development. And it doesn't matter. Do you know what? Often, if you don't get that job, you'll get another one because you've actually got a slate plan. Yeah, and and the second thing is really just to to really think around how you're developing yourself, kind of as a leader. You know, what leader do you want to be? Who do you admire? And continuing a bit like the early career um, advice yeah. that I gave, it's really thinking about what type of leadership leader you are, self awareness, feedback, perspective, and again that you know self self awareness. So, so yeah, and and I think with the slate plan, I think where I was going with it as well is even if you're going for a role and you're not on that slate plan, but you're on a slate plan elsewhere. Have yeah. again that confidence to think, you know, just because a slate plan doesn't always mean that person's going to get the role. Yeah. And again, that comes back to having the belief you're going to get that role. And I, I honestly, I can tell you, there was a couple of roles that I didn't get because one, I, I interviewed like my life depended on it because I think at the time <laughs> I thought it was, and that's why I didn't get the role. Yeah. And secondly, it was because um, I don't think I believed that I was the right person for the role. Easy, right? Yeah. That's, that's two reasons why. And then I think um, the third one, which was your first one, was people coming in. Is that right? Yeah. So what advice would I give there? Yeah. 
So, uh, so, so the the thing that is incredibly important to me as a leader, but also to Microsoft and I think to any organization is you, you know, you're building a team that that serves the community, right? That that yeah. you know, in terms of your audience, um, and um, and so it's really important that we build up a diverse team and a diverse set of skills um, and background and just. And it's so important for us to have a diverse uh, candidate pool. And I don't mean to be crass when I say candidate pool, but yeah, yeah. it's really important because actually what happens is, and actually we've thought a lot about how do you build job description? How do you do, build a job spec? So if you get as many people as possible from you know various different backgrounds and skill sets, um, because otherwise we just don't have the right talent pool to be able to make the right decision. Um, yes. So I would say, you know, um, perhaps when you when you qualify yourself out of the role, but you kind of like to do that role, you've really got to ask yourself why you're qualifying yourself out, and what are you doing yeah. about it? You know, you know, LinkedIn's a great source for understanding who is connected with that set that person, ping them directly. I get a lot of people pinging me also directly, and I I normally respond. You'll like, probably get a lot more now that you've said that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I normally respond, and if not, you know, ping somebody that's in your network that's part of my network. But keep yeah. going, keep going, um, because we really need to get the right pool of talent. And and I actually don't think we always uh, have that luxury. Um, so, like I said, dig deep, understand. If you're going to qualify yourself out, don't don't do it if if you just think it's because you're not entirely sure if you can do it. That's quite important. Yeah. Um, and and I think the other thing is that. We're going through a very transitional stage as all industries and all organizations. Therefore, transferable skills is incredibly important. And it's mindset, which is incredibly important. So really think about that and think about your experience, think about your CV, um, and really think about how you could rethink um, moving into different roles where your skill sets could really start to kind of grow and adapt and change the course of where you know, certain industries and technology companies, for example, are going. Because um, yeah. actually, that is absolutely what we look for. And, and and I get really excited about that, especially when I start spotting it in an interview stage. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wonder. I mean, I'm I'm digesting everything you've said. That, that really lovely um, in, in that sense. In terms of the gender challenge, do you feel as a female leader, you're, there has been a challenge to that and or, 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 or not? I mean, what's been your experience? Do you know what, when I, um, I think growing up, like I said, I, I had a, a really nice upbringing, okay, a great family environment. So, and I had, um, I had two brothers as well. And then my sister came along sort of seven, six, seven years uh, later. Um, yeah. I guess I never thought of gender inequality or, do you know what I mean? It didn't even feature yeah. in terms of, uh, my the makeup and mindset and actually even at school I did um I remember when I did a cross-country race I was put in the boys race um just because they you know didn't have enough runners but I didn't sort of think oh you know that's good and it's appropriate anyway so so anyway I just just sort of sort of start with that um but interestingly um I, I think early on in my career perhaps because I, I guess I didn't really feel it either I think at that time, very early on, I had probably more insecurities about me as a employee than I did whether or not you know there was gender bias or whatever. 
Um, so I didn't even sort of think about it then. And actually, the, the companies I work for were, I don't know. Every, interestingly, at the, the design company, I was partners PA, but everybody was kind of treated very much as equals. It was very much team team sport. Um, I think as I went into different industries, I think it probably became a little bit more apparent. Um, and, and I think probably more so in some of the sales roles, they came into environments and board boardroom meetings where I'd realised perhaps I was the only female. And I thought, oh, uh, you know, and, and I, I, but that said, um, and, and I, but that of, of all those times, there were probably only a few occasions where I felt sort of talked over or taken or female in the room, right? Yeah. Um, and I, and at the same time, um, earlier around training and development, you know, Microsoft do a lot of that and leadership development as well with with people. Um, I remember a bit of training that I had, which is almost like you always need to give yourself a virtual seat at the table <laughs> if you're virtually or whatever. You know, in your mind, where's your seat at the table? Are you giving yourself a seat at the table? Yeah. And um, and so actually, when I remember being in some of those meetings, literally sitting at the table, right? Yeah. Uh, even when probably I shouldn't have sat at the table because actually I was playing a supporting role, and actually the people that part meant to be part of the discussions. A couple of them had to sit outside, right? But actually, I, I think what, again, that gives you is gives you the floor, gives you the confidence. So I suppose my way of sometimes when I felt like there was a little bit of inequality or perhaps talking, I think I just gave my seat at the table and I don't think we, we do enough of that. Um, but, but I think at the same time, I've been very lucky because I've had very kind of strong mentors. I've had great training and I've had... I must have surrounded myself with, you know, great and inclusive people and teams. Um, yeah. There have been a few occasions, though, where I think also one on one, um, when when I'm meeting kind of I kind of met really senior people. But but again, I think sometimes it was me as well, not being quite as confident in what I do and what I deliver. Yeah. Um, I felt I felt like I had to prove myself probably more than my male colleagues because I had to sort of talk and talk and talk until they understood that I kind of was relatively intelligent, knew what I was doing and, and prepared. Um, I felt like I had to do that a little bit longer than some of my male colleagues. And, and, you know, you often get the sort of, you know, talking to your male colleagues before you, and that's just the way, I guess it, it happened. I, I wasn't, it wasn't that I sort of laid over and sort of said, that's fine. It's just yeah. you kind of accept it and then go, okay, so how am I going to, be the change I want to see and yeah. so um and actually you know every so often you have reactions to those sort of meetings and you think that was a bit rubbish and I don't actually ever want to be in that situation again and I actually normally take the decision just to remove myself and not be in that situation again or I improve it and I and I kind yeah. of think about how I can improve in terms of that situation there was only one time where I was truly shocked this is probably right. my last quote where um, I went to help somebody in a situation in an, in an environment with a customer um, and that customer was male um, and, and, the, and the person I was helping was male. And actually, I, I thought I helped get them out of a difficult situation. In fact, you know, this, the customer kind of asked me to come in to, to help. Um, and when we came out of the meeting and I, I tried to my colleague that I effectively I was helping out on behalf of a customer, uh, he said to me, do you think he just prefers women? Oh, God. And um, 
And look, and to be fair, I, I was just really shocked because I thought, I, I was just shocked because I didn't even, I wouldn't even compute. So I wouldn't, I, I didn't yeah. even know what to say or how to sort of respond to it. And I said, well, no, because, you know, we had a male and female team working with that person. No, because that didn't even cross my mind. I think it's crossed their mind either. And yeah. I think it was just more because I was, you know, did what I said I was going to do, highly accountable and, and, yeah. and anyway, so do, do you know what I mean? It's funny though, because I didn't even know. Yeah, I think that's. But I, I just think it's these predetermined biases and people, and hence why I'm trying to do these shows to even mm. challenge my own biases, if I'm brutally honest, to keep making me question, because I do find it really difficult to talk about it and to talk about female and gender. These aren't words I use in my everyday vocabulary because I just know, mm. don't see a difference. And um, I just know that by talking about it and and allowing people to have a platform to listen to other people's experiences, I think has to be able to help. Um, Absolutely, and yeah. I have to remain true to that. Yeah, exactly. So it's good. I, I think, like you said, it's good that you're bringing it up. And I think we're just talking about it. But it is. And, and I think it's a personal thing. That's one thing. that, And I think that's what you're saying as well in terms of making sure that, you know, you, you um you, you, yeah, it's just, uh, it's really tough because in terms of where you go with it, I don't want to preach to people to do things no, that they no. don't want to do, right? I know. No, but I, in, okay, so yeah. go on. No, well, I was just going to say, look, I, I, I think as well what I've learned is to your point, I think you don't always have to obviously confront things, but I think you need to reflect, think about how, you know, you're going to move, adapt. But also, I, I think you're right. I think you do need to give people that feedback. Um, and I think that's the only way we're going to see things. And some people will accept it, some people don't. But actually, the main thing is, to your point, is we're talking about it. Yeah, I think if, if you don't talk about it and you bury it, then people will never improve and it doesn't get better. And that's the thing. I think we're at a very exciting inflection point where we could we could really get it right if we were to think about, you know, you know, we're all consumers. So we all know what we like and we don't like. We all are very aware as well that we all have different preferences. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, um, it's so important now, I think, if you think about, I mean, I know Satya said it's, you know, the retailers a demand signal in the world, and it's so true, and it's so true today, more so than ever. It's we've got the chance now to really transform and change the industry and mm. become market leaders. Um, and it's really about getting back to basics and thinking about how you can utilize data right, to be able to connect better. So we talk a lot about empathy in this uh, podcast. How can we relate better to, to, to customers and consumers? How can you deliver on what that individual wants you to de you know, deliver on in terms of product and service, yeah. feedback, um, et cetera? Um, and, and it's really important now that we think about there's the data that you have on your, on your consumer, there's the broader perspective data you can glean from, from the market today, and there's obviously the behavioural data. And I think where we've perhaps historically gone wrong is where we've thought, that's just too big, that's, that's a lot of information, there's a lot of detail, um, what am I going to do with it? Maybe I'll start here. And it, and it is important to start small. But where we're going to differentiate is really thinking about what are we trying to achieve? What 
how do we want to be different in the market? And then we work back. And actually, if you systematically work back, build out your data, and then really fuel the acceleration of that through technology, you know, you're going to leapfrog the competition and really differentiate. And importantly, will change the face of how um, you know UK um, consumers will consume and and purchase products and services from retailers today. And so that's what I want to talk about because you know. I guess I feel very passionate about it. I know we talk a lot about data. We talk about improving productivity in the supply chain. We talk about investing in the people that know your consumers the best, which are your frontline workers, et cetera. And there's so many routes to market, but I think we just need to really think about the basics. And actually, I think the retailers that I see are the most successful really start with the consumer not only because they are a business with a purpose and really thinking yeah. about how they're differentiating themselves in the market, but also how they're getting the basics right to be able to continue to build out that loyalty and delight their customer. In terms of when you talk about tech, when you look at data and technology, are there any examples of people that you see are doing it right from not necessarily customers of yours, but experiences that you've had or things that you've seen in the market? Yeah. Um, do you know what I was? Um, I had the pleasure of having a roundtable actually at the Telegraph um, just pre-COVID actually, and um, Philippe, um, the CEO from Made.com, was actually talking to us and a number of other retailers. And I hugely admire Made.com because yeah. you know they've got a whole plethora of kind of you know young or innovative uh, designers, and actually they really use the intelligence they get from their consumers. Um, to provide feedback to the designers, but also to really feed uh, to May.com, you know, what type of, you know, design, furniture, et cetera, they, they're looking to see. And so it's very much sort of made to order. Um, yeah. But um, what I like is that they really use that feedback. They use it back into the designers. The, the designers have, if you think about that usual supply chain, you think about how close the designer is to consumer. It's, it's, it's yeah. fascinating, really. So, I hugely admire how they've transformed, um, you know, their way that they approach to market, their supply chain and how they react, but then um, start to predict their consumers, consumer behaviour and fulfil on that. And that's why I think they've been very successful. So I think um, I really admire someone like a made.com. In terms of frontline workers, I know that you spend yeah. a lot of time and, and there's a lot of good examples of how frontline workers are being empowered right now. Are there any examples that again come to your mind from, because I can just imagine how many examples of frontline worker support you've seen, but again, not necessarily a customer just out there. Do you, how, who do you think is doing it right? Or are there any examples of people doing it right? Do you know what I know? I know I've talked about it before, and but you know, still a favourite of mine is still Marks and Spencers. And you think about, yeah. you know, we all love Marks and Spencers. We all love food, Marks and Spencers, especially this time of year where I'm starting to think about Christmas. Um, and um, you know, I still feel in terms of the investment they put behind their brand, the investment to make things remarkable, and therefore the people that they have within store. You know, arming those individuals with the information they need to have to build like a more connected store to provide a better yeah. experience for the people that come and shop in their stores day in day out. I think, you know, I hugely admire because I think Marks and Spencers always start with the customer uh, quality. They know kind of what they stand for, and they continue to invest in the people that understand their 
their customers the best. So sure. One of my favorites. That's fantastic. Listen, we've got five minutes left. It's coming up to Christmas. Is there anything specifically you want from Santa Claus this year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want a really good red wine. Um, that would be really nice. Um, is there a type of, just out of curiosity, is there a type of red that you like, as in country? Is it like a French, I love a Spanish, Malbec. or a Malbec? Malbec. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's always no, don't worry, I'm not sending any Malbec. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Argentinian. So I think, yeah, I mean, I love a good Malbec. Um, okay. Do you know what? I just, uh, we're hoping that my stepdaughter can come over from Wales so that we can actually have a family Christmas so that there's, the four kids and me and my husband. So actually, that's that would be a great Christmas present. Um, yeah. Normal. I'm just trying to think. Well, actually, otherwise. So yeah, I think it's just sort of having a decent family day. And actually, I'll probably get it this year as well because let's face it, we probably won't be going very far. Um, yeah. Just to have a restful, kind of peaceful Christmas period. That's really all I ask for. And, and making sure that you know Santa uh, does not disappoint my kids. That's probably actually the biggest <laughs> present I would like <laughs> this year from Santa. That's fantastic. Well, Louise, thank you so much for carving some time out in the day to talk to us. It's been, it's been really great. Lots of nuggets of gold in there for, for, for all actually career stages. And uh, I look forward to probably speaking to you tomorrow. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a real pleasure. The Retail Podcast. A global conversation hosted by Alex Resvan Viennet.